0: Welcome to On The Fly, a Financial Literacy Institute podcast, where our mission is to teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school. We cover financial basics, investing, business ownership, real estate, and everything in between. On The Fly. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of On The Fly, a Financial Literacy Institute podcast. Today, I am joined by Zach Owen, Anthony Johnson, and our special guest of the night, the Maverick Peters. Guys, how are we doing today?
1: Doing great. Pretty good.
2: I'm pretty well myself. I've had a great week. I'm looking to finish it out strong. Thanks for asking, Sean.
0: Awesome, guys. I'm glad to hear it. And Maverick, you know, it, it, I'm glad we finally got you on the episode. I know we had some scheduling conflicts, but here we are, and the day has finally come. So a little quick background on Maverick. I met Maverick, what would you say, probably seven, eight months ago when I had the great opportunity to record a podcast as a guest in his studio on Coach Cimarroni's Blood Time slash Undeniable podcast. So it was actually the first time that I was a guest on a podcast outside of, you know, joining Zach, Yinka, Anthony, Tyrone, and Josh on our show, and not only through meeting Maverick during that episode and talking to Coach Cimarroni and getting a little share of a bit of my story. I came to understand that Maverick is, is quite the entrepreneur, quite the man himself. And what he's been able to do with Maverick Podcasting Network, along with some other little business ideas that he's got going around. He's got kind of hanging out under the table until he gets Maverick podcasting network to the point where it's optimized and ready to go. And I imagine he's going to share a little bit more of that today. So Maverick, man, we appreciate you joining us today. And thank you for being on the fly.
1: Listen, Sean, I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. This is pretty cool. I don't usually get to be on the other side of the microphone, but hey, um, I'm in great company, I guess.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. And we feel the same way. So I want to kick it off. um, Give a little bit of a background about yourself for our listeners
1: sure so my name is maverick peters i am all of just 25 years old um i'm from cleveland ohio in like the Beechwood university heights area um i am i'm jewish i'm religious and i went to rabbinical college so for those who don't know it's uh like boarding high school it's a private school and we study the torah very intensely and uh, most people who leave the, the, that structure end up becoming to be a rabbi. I did not become a rabbi, but I do continue to keep up my studies um, just for the sake of for the sake of you know, religious pursuits, I guess. But um, I do podcast production for the better part of five years. I am it's my job you know, to make sure that my podcasters, my clients look and sound good on their podcast to make sure that, sure that their content is on brand and to make sure that their podcast is played and can be heard and followed everywhere and anywhere podcasts are. And fun fact, there's over like 50 platforms right now. So obviously the big ones are Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, you know, all that good stuff. But there's a bunch. And when people say, hey, can I get on this random one? I'll say, yeah, of course, we can get you on. And we can also get you on Alexa and Google and some smart speakers. And there's some fun stuff you can do there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even realize there were that many different podcast hosting hosting sites. <clears throat> so you mentioned that you've been doing this for about five years. So that means you would have started when you were right about 20. And I remember we had this conversation when I first met you. You said that when you first got out of school and started working a full time job, you were working with your dad, who was a podiatrist, correct?
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, nice job. Sorry. And
0: you said you did that for a little bit and then you're like, eh, maybe I don't want to do this. So can you kind of go a little bit more in depth of what that process was like? And were your parents cool with you kind of jumping ship and going to do your own thing?
1: Yeah. So as far as my parents being cool, so I well, my parents are very cool. I love them to death. But I I did not finish my school, like my formal education to go and work for my dad. That wasn't the plan. Um, my plan was actually to become a rabbi. Like that was always my plan. I got all these books behind me. This whole wall is actually lined with books and some of them are on personal finance. Some of them are novels, but most of them are religious books and they're in Hebrew. Um, but I decided I wanted to change paths a little bit. And that's when my parents, I don't know if not cool is the right word, but they started questioning things just like I did. And they were like, are you sure you want to do this? So I kind of took a break from my religious studies formally. And while I was doing that, I was working for my dad. So yeah, my dad is a podiatrist. He's a foot and ankle doctor here in Cleveland, Ohio. And he specializes in like sports sports injuries and things like that. He's also a physician, so he's a surgeon. And I was working for him as a clinical assistant. And I was working with him all the way through COVID, which my job changed drastically during COVID. Um, A bunch of nurses couldn't show up um you know for various reasons and then i had to sterilize everything so before i would i would be greeting a patient walking them back to the room getting them all set up on the computer and then you know go and go and buzz my dad and say hey patient so-and-so is in room two waiting for you um but then i had to like scrub everything like literally everything like doors and walls and um there were so many things that had to be kept a certain way but I started a podcast, my own podcast, and this was on the side. This was like in addition to me working for my dad. And when I was in high school, maybe 10th grade, 11th grade, so I was the kind of kid I liked to journal and write notes. I was always doing that. And in the dorm, I would always catch myself like sitting on my bed with a pen and paper and just writing stuff, whether it's different ideas whatever, long story short, in one of the books behind me, um, I had written something and tucked it in there and I forgot that it was in there. And then when I was working for my dad, I found it. I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. It was a list of business ideas I might want to try when I'm older. So again, this is from a high schooler's perspective. So I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Okay. No, this is garbage. This is garbage. This is garbage. I don't even know what this is. I don't know what I was talking about. But one of them said podcasting and radio. And I'm like, oh, I should start a podcast. I have some time, I'm working for my dad. And let's see what happens. So then I was like, okay, what kind of podcast would I wanna hear, right? Let me me create a podcast I wanna listen to so I can have fun with it. So I was like, I wanna start a podcast and I wanna learn about the secrets of people who are A, successful, or B, super positive-minded. Now let me explain what that means. Like you meet someone on the street, Or just in passing, and they're always happy, and it could be like a torrential downpour outside. Like, why are you so happy? I want to know why, and I want to be happy like that. So I would interview people um, through through networking. Just you know, hey, who's who who would make a good guest? And I did thirty three episodes of that podcast. It was a lot of fun. Um, I interviewed some people who had some accolades too. So I interviewed a guy who was in the Guinness Book of World Records for sandcastle making. I guess he, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, Sean, but he created, he was hired in Florida to create a sandcastle attached to a restaurant of a hotel and hotel guests would take their food and go eat in the sandcastle, like really cool stuff. And so I got his story and I got to learn all about his secrets and like how he makes money playing in the sand, which was very cool. Um, But then it was actually Peter Cimarroni. He reached out to me and he said, Mav, I love your podcast. It's, it's fun. It's fun to listen to. I'm trying to start my own. I don't know what to do. And I'm the kind of guy where I research everything before I do it, sometimes to my own detriment. Like, I have to know everything. Um, so I, I happen to know a system, like a copy and paste system if I wanted to, you know, produce another show. So I was like, let me help you. Um, and we launched Blood Time, which is a wrestling podcast and he, he wanted to focus on a specific moment in an athlete's career that was pivotal for them, that they really connected with you know, their coach, their trainer, a teammate, and then they used that moment to excel in life. And I thought it was cool. My family is a wrestling family, so I really uh, felt connected to it, so it was fun to produce. And then I had even more fun when I realized I could charge Pete for my time. So I charged him and then, um, I, the room that I used to record is an old broom closet. So, you know, we'll talk about businesses and starting up from nothing. Um, Sean, you saw it. So that room I keep for kicks and giggles, A, because it's really close to where I live and B, because it sounds great. Um, it just sounds perfect for audio, but we have some other studios too. Um, and Pete and I have been doing his podcast for four years. I had since stopped my podcast just because I had been working on some new projects. I had some new podcasts I was working on. Um, most notably, I did some work for the Cleveland Browns podcast, which was great. I didn't get paid for it, but they called me up just to get some some advice as far as branding goes, and I really enjoyed that. Um, it was a couple phone calls, and um, yeah, I think their podcast headed in, in the right direction from there. I'd like to think so, but yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. And then if you guys want to get into it, I'm about to launch my own podcast, which is very exciting. So again, I get to be behind the microphone again. Maybe I was looking for an excuse to do that, but I found it and I'm about to do that soon.
2: Very cool, Maverick. It sounds like you have a lot of experience with um, producing podcasts, right? So that was a lot of what we just talked about um, with maybe people who are, you know, experienced in the podcasting area a little bit they have their own podcast up up and running like you said the browns or uh blood time podcast if there are people listening to this podcast that want to start their own and you know maybe they haven't done anything yet they know nothing about podcasting and while they could come to you you know when they have something set up that they can work with you to get it up and running what would be the first steps for someone listening to this to start their own podcast say before they were even at the spot to come to you and have you help them
1: Hey, that's a great question. So the first step I would say is get organized, figure out exactly what you want a podcast on and what that structure would look like. So my most popular service is what I call a consultation. And it's basically a powwow between me and a brand new podcast host, right? Someone who's eager. They go, I have this great idea for a podcast. And then they go, they ramble on for 15 minutes about all their ideas. And it's every, It's all over the place. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm gonna send you something and we're gonna get organized from it. I created an online form, it's um, very thorough and it's kind of like a whiteboard and a window into their brain. So I can see exactly what they're talking about instead of this overly long elevator pitch and I can organize it for them down to how long each episode should be, who they should have on as guests, how they should title their episodes, right? I'm sure you guys know when you name a podcast episode, you could name it, you know, maverick peters or you can name it you know episode 33 with maverick peters or you can name it whatever you can have a clever title and then my name there's all different ways to do that so i i love being organized with them and helping them create a structure but if you can do that on your own go for it and get structured and organized the equipment and stuff you'll work worry on worry about later
0: I will say, too, when I was in college, my roommates and I had talked about starting a podcast and ours was going to be more so sports centered, It kind of similar like pardon my take from Barstool. Where we would just ramble on about random stuff from sports, pop culture or whatever, and we never really got the ball rolling on that. And I kind of still wish I would have. But then when we came together for FLI and we were thinking of ways that we could share information, share content podcast is one of the first things that we thought about. And between Zach, Yinka and myself, we really all put our heads together and figured out, okay, this is how we're going to host it. This is how we're going to set it up online, how we're going to get it on Spotify, iTunes. And it was a phenomenal learning process. But granted, it did take us a lot of time to get that figured out. And I know Zach and Yinka pulled a little bit more weight on that than I did. But even then, getting the episodes recorded, getting them saved, edited, put up online, it's it's a challenging process.
1: Yeah, it definitely can be. I um I definitely help out clients mostly with that. Like um so I I call my business, my structure, I call it the Maverick Podcasting Network because I have in my network a bunch of different resources that are super useful and beneficial to podcasters, whether it's studios or online tools or you know, different talent. Um but definitely what I end up helping helping the most out with is getting set up from the beginning just making sure everything's all set up you have your brand and your overall structure and then you get to worry about just talking about what you know best
2: interesting we started but in maverick but it sounds like not only are you helping people um, with the setup right this organization and the actual hands-on dealing with the podcasting producing you also have sort of a network and you are helping them with more than just what you can do yourself
1: for sure i'm limited to what I know. I'd like to think I could, you know, maybe learn anything and master it to some degree, but obviously I have to humble myself. And, um, yeah, there are plenty of things I can't do. Like I can't do, I can't record a professional sounding commercial. Mm. I have like kind of a soft voice and it wouldn't sound good. So I have people, you know, male and female who do a great job and, uh, Pete uses some of them and they sound great. I can't recommend them enough.
2: Right. What I'm getting at is the value of networking, right? The value of your network and knowing people is not only it's probably as important or more important than the stuff you know yourself.
1: For sure. I one time heard a quote that I will never forget. Your network is your net worth. Uh, Sean's shaking his head. I'm assuming that you guys talked about that before. I love that.
0: All of my friends give me so much crap because I say that all the time. And like one of my coworkers who we had on the show prior, Michael Green, he he for a while, he would always say, Sean, your network is your net worth, Lacey. And he would just like dog me on it all the time.
1: No, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's so true. And it's not like uh, my brother-in-law is real entrepreneurial as well. And. I, I one time asked him, I, for whatever reason, I was feeling anxious about a specific client. And I was like, I don't know how to approach this guy. I don't want to come off, come across as wrong. Maybe I just want him to like me. I don't know. I was like, how do you handle clients that you get nervous about? Maybe he goes, man, you have to look at them like they're just a person, right? The, the owner of the Cleveland Browns is a person and they have emotions just like we do. You have to kind of dummy them down a little bit in your mind, like that old, it's almost cliche. Technique for public speaking. Look around the room and picture everyone in their underwear, and that they're all overweight and they look ridiculous. Um, it works, but yeah, I mean, listen, your network is your net worth. So if you can make friends with some big executives and whatnot, you can uh, you can create some magic.
0: Now I want to dive into this a little bit more. So, given your given like how you grew up, the people that you've known. How have you really grown your network, and what strategies have you used to do that?
1: Okay, so that's interesting. So the first thing that comes to mind is I'm part of a unique community. Um, I live in, again, the Beechwood University Heights area, and because I'm religious, because I go to temple every week, um every Saturday, I have a unique opportunity where, and i don't I don't go to Temple for this reason, but it, it it's a byproduct where I go to temple and I see everyone, like I see the community, I see friends from school, I see, you know, um, family friends and, you know, rabbis and whatnot. And I get to chat with them, obviously not during services, but afterwards people, I wouldn't normally get to see had I not had that communal experience every single week. So again, it's not like I'm trying to broker deals or whatever, or trying to hire new clients during services, but just, the fact that I see them, I'm friendly with them, we have small talk or you know longer talk, it, it helps. It really does. And um, when I was a kid, um, let me ask you guys, how old were you when you got your first phone?
0: Financial literacy is a crucial skill to learn about as it affects many aspects of our daily lives, including our spending habits. Don't spend your money on more stuff that will be lying around your house, but rather invest it in making memories with your friends and family at Bullseye's Axe Throwing in Worcester. From bachelor parties to birthday parties and from couples to company and corporate events, we're your one-stop shop for adding some excitement to your life. Follow Bullseye's on Facebook or Instagram at Bullseye's Axe Throwing or visit their website at com to learn more and book your lane today. I think I want to say it was like 7th or 7th grade maybe,
2: so what's that, like, like 12 or 13? Okay. Yeah, I'm about the same age. I want to say 6th or 7th grade. Sounds about right. 8th grade for me.
1: Okay, so 6th, 7th, 8th grade. I got my first phone in 3rd grade, so I was 9 or 10 years old. Um, I was a techie from a, from a young age. I knew how my parents flip phones, those like little Nokias and whatever. I knew how those worked inside and out, up, down, left, and right. I was obsessed with it. When you could snap close your phone, I thought that was the coolest thing. So my grandma, against my parents' wishes, bought me a phone. She gave me her old phone with a new number. And I could not have been happier. Um, I've had a phone since. Obviously, now it's a smartphone. It's an iPhone. but I was always enamored by my phone in the fact that I could talk to anyone, whether a phone call or texting. And when I went away to uh, boarding high school, to it's called Yeshiva, um, I kept up with everyone who wasn't in the same school as me. And not, I wasn't trying to get anything out of them. I was just genuinely trying to maintain friendships. And I loved it. I got a little turned off when... I realized I was constantly reaching out and people wouldn't reach out to me. Um, I don't think it was because I was being annoying because I wasn't. It was like birthday wishes, like, hey, happy birthday, hope all is well. And I try to start a conversation or whatever. But from a young age, I was always trying to do that. And I think that really that skill, which can be developed, I think that that really helps me today garnering um, relationships as far as the network goes. Just you got to be sincere. and You have to be real with people.
0: And that's that's a big thing too. Thinking about the people in your life, who you reach out to, but maybe if you didn't reach out to them, would they still reach out to you? And that kind of helps you understand who your actual friends are and who should actually be in that close knit circle with you.
1: Absolutely. As far as networking goes, um, I'm going to use my brother-in-law again. He does something really interesting. He's got a a brilliant mind. We're the same age. We're both 25, and he will ask someone hey what do you do like he'll meet them for the first time he'll say hey what do you do oh you're a podcast producer oh what does that mean and he'll he'll start to get a, a an elementary concept of what it means to produce podcasts and he'll he'll remember it now next time he meets someone who is a podcast host he'll take one of those elements he remembered from a conversation meeting Maverick Peters and goes wait so do you do this with your podcast do you do that have you tried this and he he just grows his knowledge bank and that is a, I, I, it's so admire that way of networking with people where you can build off of something. And he knows, I mean, he's got his mind in so many different things. He knows how, you know, cars work and planes work and how different companies run. And it's all based off of quote unquote, small talk with people. And that's really cool. That's like using something we have every day, right? The power of speech, and developing a huge network where he can start businesses with people because he knows how they run and he can talk their talk, so to speak, which is very cool.
0: I think what's what's crucial about that, too, is when he's having these conversations with people, not only is he educated, at least somewhat, he knows enough to be dangerous on their topic of interest, whether that's through research on the person initially or just his general background knowledge. But along with that, when he meets these people, he's not asking for something immediately. He's building that bond, building that friendship, but he doesn't always start with if he realizes somebody has something that could potentially benefit him, he doesn't ask for it immediately, right?
1: he usually doesn't if he asks something it's like five conversations down the line yeah no he's not like trying to sell people into anything he's he's being genuine he wants to hear he's curious people always ask what makes joe rogan the world's greatest podcaster it's because he's genuinely curious about his his guests and he wants to hear what they're up to very rarely is he combative and if he is it's for the sake of knowing more
0: mm-hmm. And it's like building relationship equity almost and i feel like people can sense if you're a good person, if you're not a good person right off the bat, based on the first impression.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm very into, I hope this doesn't sound weird. I'm very into Jordan Belford, the Wolf of Wall Street recently. So that movie came out a while ago, maybe like 2013 or something. I just saw it two years ago and I love it. Now I could do with all the vulgar stuff, but his business stuff and like that whole mindset was so cool to me. So I ended up subscribing to his podcast and I bought a couple of his books and that's that to me is very cool. Um, He says all the time that you have like four seconds on a phone call for people to get a first impression of you before they hang up. Now, I'm not in the market to do cold calls or anything. but. It's so true. And he talks about different ways that in those four seconds, how you can win over someone without trying to sell them into something. And it's in line with exactly what we're talking about right here. He says, when you, let's say you're going to make a a cold call, right? He says, what do you do? They answer the phone. Hello. You go, hi, it's Maverick. And just give your first name. And they go, Maverick who? Do I know who you are? And like in their mind, they go, I I feel like I should know. My mom told me I got to remember names, right? If it's, if someone is telling me their first name, I probably know who they are. And then you go, no, it's it's Maverick Peters from Maverick Podcasting. How are you doing? And now their brain starts turning. They start thinking about who is this guy? Do I know him? Have I met him before? And I'm just being an, an idiot for not knowing. Meanwhile, the four seconds have passed. You're in and now you can start a conversation. Now, again, I wouldn't suggest cold calling to anyone because, you know, it's not the most glorified of professions, but it it really does go to show that if you sound genuine and listen, I, I'm all for actually being genuine, it goes a long way. I mean you can it opens the doors to a lot of different things.
0: Luxury Auto Detailing is a top-rated automotive detailing company based in Akron, Ohio. They offer detailing packages ranging from full interior and exterior detailing to paint correction and ceramic coatings that provide long-term vehicle protection. Serving customers across Northeast Ohio, Luxury Auto Detailing is the right choice to give your vehicle that new car look and feel. Visit their website at LuxuryAutodetailingOhio.com or search Luxury Auto Detailing Ohio to check out their 80-plus 5-star reviews. Yeah, I would agree, too. And even like cold calling, I feel like you have to make cold calls regardless of what your profession is. Just to introduce yourself to somebody, whether you work in sales or not, even like Zach, I guarantee you, you working at Honda, you have to call people that you've never talked to before. You've never met before. And you want to make sure that right off the bat, they think that you're a reputable individual from the company versus some random schmuck.
2: It's funny you say that. I I did have to do that actually probably yesterday, right? So I was in a situation where I had to go to a different department and meet with someone who I'd never met with before. And this department does an entirely different thing that I do on my daily duties, right? I've never talked with anyone from this department, but all of a sudden, uh, the part of the project I'm in, I need to work with them. I'm trying to get to their area. I don't know where they are, who they are. So I have to cold call just the person on the email. I've, you know, I've seen their email address and their phone number. I haven't even seen their little profile picture. I have no idea what they are or what they look like, who they are, et cetera. You know, so give them a cold call. And then, you know, it's all about, you know, your effort of coming across, like you said, genuine and curious and um, like an honest person, someone who's um, can be someone like a friend or an acquaintance as well as a coworker, right? You don't want to answer the phone and have them say, hello, who is this? And then you say, you know, hello, this is Zach. I need to know where you are for this and that. If you sound genuine and friendly, you know, they'll respond accordingly. They'll say, oh, hey, you know, um, I'm over here, uh, this and that, come on over. And like you were saying, the first four or five seconds of that phone call, you can come across as a person trying to do a job. And to them, you know, they're a person trying to do a job as well. Instead of um, them seeing you as just this coworker who's trying to, you know, um, get what they want, they see you as just another person who has a task to accomplish and they feel much more inclined to help you and be friendly because they're also just a person who's trying to accomplish a task right to them you can almost do the process you talked about earlier of dumbing down their image right into just being a person everyone's just a person if you come across very likable and kind you can almost do that for them, right? They're less intimidated by you and they're a little more likely to open up their um, mind and help you. We can be more friendly and you'll have a better relationship with them as a result.
0: Exactly. And I want to expand upon one more thing on that too. I think when we talk to people on the phone or even when we first meet somebody or stop, walk by somebody in the hallway, we use what's up and how's it going way too much. Like that's If you say like, hey, what's up? They're going to say, oh, hi, how are you? And they're not even going to acknowledge your what's up. So instead of like spinning that around and saying something along the lines of how's life treating you or tell me something good that's going on. Tell me tell me something that you enjoy in your life right now. Something something of the nature that makes them stop like Maverick said, and think about get their gears turned and realize what is going on or what's good in my life right now? Or how is my life actually treating me? And then you can build more of a genuine conversation and relationship out of it. And it's especially crucial on the phone too.
1: It's so true. I found myself in a situation regularly where people go, Hey, what's up? Or like we'll pass in a hallway and they go, Hey, what's up? And I'll respond with, Hey, what's up? Like, that's not even a proper response, but it's just in passing. And I, both of us don't really care. We just saying hi. But uh, yeah, it's a funny phenomenon.
0: And exactly, like you said, they don't care. Because if you say what's up or how's it going, the person receiving that comment knows he doesn't care about me. It's he he's just saying it to say it. But if you say something along the lines of how's life treating you or tell me something good, then they're like, Maybe maybe they do care. And then it gets the gears turning. Now Anthony, we haven't heard much from you. Do you got any questions for for Maverick? I do. So Maverick, one of the things you said is that you help people develop their brand. For the people who
1: don't know what it is, what is brand? That's a great question. So a brand, um, specifically online, is your image. It's what you're presenting to the world. And today we're all whether we like to admit it or not we're all pretty much online to some some degree whether you're a doctor with an information website or whether you're a full-on social media influencer or a celebrity you're online to some degree and you want if you can control it right a celebrity might not be able to control it if they're being followed by paparazzi they got to be on their best behavior 24 7 or at least when they're in public. But if you can control what your brand looks like, you can put your best foot forward online when people go to check you out. So if I would go check out your guys' website, obviously, it's going to look good or your Facebook page or your Instagram page, it's going to look how you guys want it. And if you can have the, the foresight to really develop it from the ground up with a structure that you can maintain, that is both impressive and impactful, you know, that's, That's like half the battle of trying to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, for me, um, having a podcasting network website where people can listen to other shows and they can learn about other shows and they can connect with each other and they can learn about what podcasting means, that's really important. And then having that all look good, having it look modern um, is very important. I actually, I help people. I try not to, Um, I try not to, no, That sounds wrong. I do try to help people, but what I'm about to say, I try not to do. I try not to be a social media manager because it's very time consuming. I can, and I think most people my age and younger definitely can because that's what we do naturally, but um, I do it now more from a branding perspective. Like I say, hey, do you want a regular Instagram account for your business or do you want to make it look cool and different? And I show them all different techniques of how to make it stand out and how to have a call to action in your in your Instagram bio that actually works. Um, some people don't care, and there are times where I'll, I'll insist that I'll say, hey, you know what you have is it's not only doing nothing, it's working against you. So to answer your question, um, a brand branding online, especially very important. Branding in real life is, I guess, how you maintain yourself what kind you know what your energy looks like to other people how you dress right if you're a lawyer you're not necessarily going to walk around in a hoodie and shorts all day you're going to wear a suit and tie or at least a dress shirt if you're a football coach you might walk around in a hoodie and sweatpants that's okay that's your brand but that it, branding is you know it's all about optics
0: what would you say is your brand
1: my brand oh my god um <laughs> so a little fun fact about me um, I'm still trying to figure out who I am, but my brand would probably consist of, um, I guess this is like defining myself, right? Um, I, I, Here's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be a guy who is um, not intimidating in any way. Um, I am fun and want to have fun and want to just enjoy and help other people do the same. Something I try to live under is the concept of PMA, which is positive mental attitude. Um, my dad really uh, tried to teach me that from a young age, and something I still carry with me today. Would um, also be in my brand. I hold religion right up at number one. You know, religion and family are the two biggest things in my life. Those come first. Um, yeah, I, I, I think my brand is. I'm. I try to be a people pleaser. And it's not always so good. I got to learn to say no sometimes. That I can't do this. No, I really can't do that. Um, that that's where the benefit of a, a network comes in, because I can at least direct them in the right place, so they don't leave empty-handed. But I don't know. I just want to be an all-around good person, I guess. Yeah,
0: that's a very good question, Anthony.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So,
0: yeah, I, I, on I agree with you. Oh, one more thing. I I agree with you, Maverick, on the saying no. That's one of the things I'm challenging myself with this year. And so far, I haven't done a very good job at it.
1: <laughs> Dude, it's really hard. It is really hard. Um, so I'm married and my wife goes, I'm going to teach you how to say no. I'm really good at it. I'm like, okay, whatever. So we work through different scenarios where I have to say no. Now what happens is I'm so comfortable saying no to her. I say it all the time. But to all my clients, I'm bending over backwards when I shouldn't be. So um, it's a work in progress.
0: Here at the Financial Literacy Institute, our mission is to teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school. We have many methods of accomplishing this goal, but our latest method includes our online courses. Partnering with Thinkific, we have developed courses that allow you to learn valuable financial and business skills at your own pace. Head to our website at thefli.net to check out our courses and other resources. We hope you will join us on our mission to teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school. So what would you say is the uh, balance? Because you say you're part, part of you is a people pleaser, but at the same time, you said you try to be not intimidating at all, so creating a safe space for people. So what is that balance for you?
1: So I guess the balance would be honesty, right? If you're honest with people and you say, right, let's use my dad. My dad's a foot doctor. So if someone comes to my dad and he, he just wants to treat them with world-class care, right? Let's say they sprained their ankle in a basketball game. So he'll do whatever he can. And then all of a sudden they go, you know, doc, I I really hurt my hand while I was playing basketball too. You got to help me. I know you're a doctor. You went to medical school. What do I do? You know, my dad could be a people pleaser, let that get the best of him and go, all right, let me try and fix your hand for you. You know, even though he's not exactly licensed to do that, he might have the knowledge, but he would be a better person if he was honest and said, listen, I'm just a foot and ankle doctor. I I specialize in that. Let me send you over to my friend, Dr. So-and-so. He's great at that. So he's not really being mean. He's not saying, you idiot, why are you asking me about your hand? I'm a foot and ankle doctor. What are you talking about? Um, But, you know, I guess being non-threatening or non-intimidating is all about how you present yourself. Um, And, you know, being more helpful than combative and defensive. You know, if my dad would go, listen, I don't really work on hands and fingers. You know, if the patient says, well, why not? You're a doctor, right? So now there's like, there's a defensive up and there's, there's some kind of, you know, tension. It doesn't feel good. I don't like that feeling. I, I hate when there's tension. I hate controversy. But if I can make people feel comfortable, you know, if I can't fix their hand, at least I can send them somewhere that can take care of them. So I guess just being honest and knowing yourself, like, hey, you know, that's my limit. I don't, I can't do that. I can learn, I could try to understand the hand anatomy, but it's not really what I do right now. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that ties, it's a little bit customer service too, where even if you're not a specialist in in something that the customer's asking for, you don't just want to drop the customer and say, go figure it out on yourself. If you can find a solution and provide that solution, they're going to value your original service so much more higher than any of your competitors because you went the extra mile to help them with something that would. and even impact
1: you. It's so true. And Sean, I think the whole concept of customer service changed. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. Um, I'm assuming we're all right around the same age, but there are older people that when they call, and they're usually like a Karen, <laughs> but when they call a company and they want their refund, it looks really funny to us. Like, what are you doing? Like what? Listen, it was a mistake. Move on but I guess there was an old fashioned concept of customer service that the customer comes first and you do what you can to make them happy, to keep them as a customer. I don't know if we have that so much today, right? Let's say your iPhone breaks, you go to Apple and you have this whole sob story. It was run over by a car or whatever. Your, your kid flushes down the toilet. There's, there's only so much they could do really, if it's not in warranty. But I think back in the olden days, you know, the manager of the store, the owner of the store would do whatever they can uh, to make it right. And that's important. And I think um, if you're starting out in business, you're starting out on some kind of project, make sure your customer service aspect is like top notch so that, you know, you always answer the phone, you respond to texts, respond to emails. Um, you know, abundant communication, just be, you know, be all out. What they see is what they get. And people will start to trust you that way. Again, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but.
0: yeah, You're you're absolutely right, though. Customer service is a dying art. And I know in my full-time job, it's something that we preach on a daily basis. And whenever my customers will ask me for something, even if I can't help them, if I don't have the solution, finding somebody that does, and it often doesn't impact me, but they get the solution, they're happy, and they know if they need something then they can come to me or they can come to you to get the solution, even if you're not the one who provides it. So I, I agree with you 100%. And I think customer service, especially as a young, whether you're a young business owner, a young employee, whatever you're doing in work, if you can embody that customer service spirit, that servant's heart, and just understand that it's not that difficult to go above and beyond. But if you do, you're going to have such a larger impact on your customer or on just anyone you interact with.
1: I think a big reason, I'm just thinking about this now, but I think a big reason why it's failing a little bit why we're losing touch with that is because we all have this sense of pride, almost like we're entitled. And when someone has an issue, when someone becomes combative in a professional setting, instead of turning to the old fashioned customer service, our pride gets in the way. Like, why should I bend over backwards for this guy who's got a problem? It's their problem. Meanwhile, what they don't realize is if you zoom out on the bigger picture. If you help them, if you bend over backwards, or if you can't do it, if you just become a useful resource for them, not only will they appreciate it, but they'll come back and they'll spread the word, which generates more business for you.
0: You got to be a solutions broker, no matter what it takes, be a solutions broker. Very good points. So as we wrap up this episode, we're going to drop four of our common questions that we end every episode with. So these are rapid fire. Give us the first answer that comes off your head and we'll, we'll move on to the next. So as we're about halfway through 2023, you know, we always talk about setting goals and working towards our goals. What is your number one goal for the remainder of 2023?
1: Number one goal for the remainder of 2023, I'm about to launch a podcast and I want it to be a big hit and I just want to help people with it. That's really and truly what I want to do with it.
0: I love it. And I can't wait for that to come out. Can't wait to start listening to the episodes and I know we've we've had some conversations about getting the FLI team on there too. So I'm very excited for that. <clears throat> second question: Is there one book that you would recommend to any young adult that's just getting started out, whether it's personal development, business, finance, anything that's had the biggest impact on your life?
1: My favorite book is called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. It's even better on video. It's second best in audiobook. Um, it's very hard to read because it's not. It's not set up to be read so well, at least in my opinion. But download the audiobook and you will, it changed my life. The first time I heard it, um, I, I saw it. I was in fifth grade and um, the the whole concept of the law of attraction really, it, it hit me. And it's something, I mean, there, there was a time in high school I would listen to the book every single day. Literally every single day. Because I just wanted that to be me. I wanted to attract the things that were positive and keep away the things that were negative. So The Secret by Rhonda Byrne.
0: The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. That's one we have not heard before. So thank you for sharing.
1: Check it then, out. I recommend the audiobook too.
0: Absolutely. And then question number three, if you were to pick one person that you would recommend us to have on the show, who would that be?
1: Okay. Uh, my brother-in-law. Let me give him a shout out. His name is Zvi Klein, T-Z-V-I Klein. He is extremely entrepreneurial. I think the world of him, I love him to death. I can definitely connect you guys with him, whether or not he'll be willing to do a podcast. I don't know. But he's got he's learned a lot and he's our age and there's no telling what he'll do because of everything he's learned. And um, he's able to say no to people. And because of that, it's opened up more doors for him.
0: Nice. Hey, If there's a will, there's a way we'll make it happen. Appreciate that. And then last but certainly not least, how can our listeners get in contact and learn more about you?
1: Oh, for sure. So I'm all over social media. My username everywhere is at Maverick V. Peters, M A V M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-V, E R I C K V, letter V Peters. Um, shoot me a DM if you want to email me. My email is uh, mavpeters613 at gmail.com. Uh, I love meeting new people. I love talking about different ideas, different projects. So hit me up if you want to make a new friend.
0: Yes, sir. And he drops some pretty sweet Instagram reels just going over podcast strategies and personal development strategies. So they're always worth a watch.
1: Absolutely. Over at uh, maverickpodcasting.com.
0: Yes, sir. Well, hey, man, listen, we appreciate having you on the episode. A lot of great value that you shared, not only for us, but also for our listeners. Zach, Anthony, do you guys have any closing comments?
2: Maverick, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. It's been a great episode.
1: Of course. I feel honored to be on the show. I love what you guys are doing. I think you're going to help a lot of people. And I wish you only the best of luck.
0: Thank you for listening to On the Fly, a Financial Literacy Institute podcast. If you'd like to learn more, check out our website at www.bfli.net and our Instagram at the Financial Literacy Institute. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode as we teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school.